Great Heavenly Father, as we continue in worship, as we continue in praise, as we continue to give you glory, we pray that you would enable us to make our hearts and minds attentive on your word, that this wouldn't be a time of just going through the motions, but would be a time where we see you as you really are and are impacted by your grace toward us. We pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So, what to preach the week after Easter when the Super Bowl is over and the lilies have already begun to fade? There are dozens of things, hundreds of things indeed, that we could focus our hearts and attention on. But today I want us to do something a little different. I want us to pause as a congregation, take a collective breath together, and give thanks to God for what he is doing in our church. Before doing that, I want us to look at this passage from the first chapter of James to see why this is such an important thing for us to do. Why should we pause, take a knee, breathe, and reflect upon his goodness to us? Well, because we read in 1 James 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I love how he starts. Do not be deceived. The thing that I am telling you that all good gifts come from God is something that you could get wrong. It's something that you could be confused about. It's something that you might not understand. And I want you to understand this. I want you to understand that everything you you have in your life that could be described as good is not an accident, but it has come from the Lord's hand to you. I want you to understand this so that you will not be deceived, he says. I do not want you to be fooled by this world that gives us a sense that we are entitled to good things. I do not want you to be fooled by yourself in thinking that the good things we have are merely the result, the product of our own hard work or genius. I do not want you to be confused by Satan, by the devil himself, who from the very beginning in Eden whispered in Eve's ear that the Lord didn't have her best interests at heart. And so if she was to want good things, she would have to pursue them through another source. Don't be deceived, James says. All the good things you have come from the Lord. Every good gift, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every good gift, the little things, the big things, the eternal things. Survey the landscape of your own life and know that whatever you see there that is true or honorable or just, whatever you see there that is pure or lovely or commendable, whatever you see there that is excellent or praiseworthy in any way is not an accident, but is God's good hand intervening in your life. Every gift has come from him. He then says, every perfect gift has come from him. This is a a slightly different idea, a good gift than a perfect gift. Um, Rosie, my wife, is is really good at giving gifts. And gift giving is one of her love languages. And so she always gets you something that's 
really right and fitting and that you, you sort of personally are delighted with. She gets you that thing that you've never heard of, but the moment you get it, feel like you've wanted one all your life, you know? Um, it's that gift that's appropriate to you. And in the same way, the Lord loves us and he knows how to love us well. And so he gives us perfect gifts, not just good gifts in general, but gifts that are perfect for you, the gifts that you need in your own circumstances, the gifts that you will be encouraged by in your own circumstances. He knows how to give gifts that are fitting and appropriate to us. And this passage calls us to come and realize that every gift, every good gift, every perfect gift has come to us from his hand. Do you remember when you were a child and you would play the game Connect the Dots? So you'd sit down at the table and you'd pull out a pencil and you'd have a sheet of paper with dots all over it. And you'd start to studiously move from one dot to the next dot to the third dot. And slowly but surely, the excitement and joy would rise as the picture began to emerge. And you would see, you know, it's a lion, it's uh, an elephant, it's a dinosaur. You'd see what was on the picture before you. When you connect the dots, the a true picture emerges. And in the very same way, this passage is calling us to connect the dots from our experience to his hand, to connect the dots from where we are and recognize that these things have come from him, to sit down and reflect, not with pencil in hand, but reflect and consciously recognize that the gifts we've been given have come from him, that gifts we've been given, good and perfect as they are, have come from him, come to us by his grace. See, it strikes me that we're not always good at doing this. I had a friend in Scotland who always amazed me because he would say grace, the prayer before the meal, with an almost bizarre specificity. So, you know, I will say, Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this food. Amen, right? He would be like, Lord, I thank you for this bagel. And for this cheese. Cheese and the cow. What a great idea this was. And for the avocado. What a fruit, right? And then you keep on going, you know? And for Coke. And for Diet Coke so we do not die, right? And you're just like, pray this really long grace. And you kind of be sitting there kind of like, on one hand, Come on, dude, I'm hungry. Wrap this up, right? <laughs> on the other hand, really kind of moved by the specificity of his gratefulness. Moved because funny, yes, it's certainly funny, but it creates a, a culture of gratitude, a culture of gratitude that we would long to see here in our own a church, a culture of gratitude where we consciously connect the dots from our experience to his hand. So personally, there's a thousand things to connect the dots from. We get up and we thank him for the hot shower. We thank him for the morning coffee. Amen. We thank him for comfy shoes. We thank him for the friends that you will meet this morning. We thank him for the family that he has given. We thank him for the work that he has put to our hands, for our health, for our homes. We thank him for grace through the hard things. Grace in the deployment, grace in the unemployment, grace in the surgery, grace even in death. We thank him for our very salvation. Verse 18 of James 1, we read, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. 
giving thanks to the Lord for the salvation that is ours, according to his own will, not about dependent upon our will, but upon his kind and gracious goodness toward us. He has given us birth. He has given us new birth into a relationship with him, that we might be amongst his children. We are a people with much to be grateful for, and we need to learn to connect the dots between our experience and his hand. How do we do this as a church? Well, first quarter of 2013 has come and gone. The Lord has been on the move. He has been blessing our church, a remarkable season of unity, bringing fruit from this unity. And I have 10 dots that I want to throw out this morning, 10 things that we need to stop and give the Lord thanks and praise for. Let's connect these dots together. You ready? Number one, first quarter of this year, the Lord brought us a new assistant pastor. We installed David Stevenson, a man who knows his deep need of grace, a man who has experienced the love of Jesus, a man who brings an amazing wife and two great sons with him, and who has begun to gather and equip the next generation of young adults through the Harvest and Fellows Ministries, that they might know Jesus and follow him faithfully all their days. We don't think that his arrival is an accident. We don't think it's a result of an interview. We connect the results to the Lord. Two, new members. The first quarter of the year, we've welcomed 32 new members to our fold. Each one has a very specific and unique story of God's grace to them, of how the Lord has brought them into a saving relationship with himself. One of the best things we get to do as elders of this church is hear the stories that, that, that we get to when it comes to uh, new members uh, joining our fold. We are grateful for every soul that the Lord has trust, entrusted to our care. We don't think they're here by accident, and we connect the dots to the Lord. Number three, Christianity Explored. We ran this outreach program for the first time, uh, connected with a good number of, of newcomers, but also laid a good foundation for when we will run similar things in the future. An excellent start as we strive to become a place and be a place where those who are far from God will hear the gospel in a form, in a language that they are able to understand. We don't think this happened by our own strength. We connect the dots to the Lord. Number four, the marriage conference. How many of you attended the marriage conference? Some 450 of us did and were blessed and encouraged in this vital area, this building block of our own lives, of our church, of our culture, and of our society, the institution of marriage. Encouraged by the teaching of Dan Allender and really encouraged to continue this atmosphere amongst us where we are real and honest about our failings and our worries and our brokenness and that we don't have the perfect marriages and that we can pursue God together and seek his face with one another. We connect the dots to the Lord. Number five, Greater DC started this new ministry to really mobilize mercy in the Greater DC area. Already some 80 volunteers of you have signed up to take practical steps to love those who are hurting or suffering in our communities. A great example of how the Lord is at work to make us a people who show generosity, not just financially, but with our time and our talents as well. We connect the dots to the Lord. Six, we're going to keep going. You ready? Missions Month. Missions Month was great. We wrestled with how God might lead us to plant gospel churches in this area. We benefited from the teaching of Christian Novotsky and Steve Childers. A great infectious energy drove all of the events, especially the event over at Cooper Middle School. Um, 
really a time where we uh, were uh, challenged to think about how the Lord would have us steward all he has given us that we might reach those in our own neighborhood and communities with the gospel. Connect the dots. Seven, mission trips. You know already this year we've sent trips to Cambodia and to Chile. A great blessing that is ours to partner in the work that the Lord is doing across his globe. A time where we show up, do some good, but really are blessed ourselves uh, by uh, seeing the Lord at work in those places. Connect the dots. Number eight, Easter. Last week was fun. Um, we gathered together, uh, kids included, with over 1,700 of our nearest and dearest. Uh, we packed the place out. Um, Martin, don't record this bit. Um, don't let the fire marshal know how many people were here second service, okay? Um, a really great celebration, not because of the numbers there, but because of uh, the amount of, of praise that went to our God and his risen Savior, Jesus. Number nine, on top of all that, let me read you a list. God kept our regular ministries running apace through deacons, board of women, Sunday schools, Sunday worship, children's ministry, student ministry, harvest, fellows, brothers in Christ, cross trainers, ESL, mops, LCI, and others. Connect the dots to the Lord. Number 10, finally, I wasn't really sure how to bring this one up, but I am grateful for the new senior pastor. <laughs> okay? Um, I'm profoundly grateful and humbled to be pastor here, and I, I love being pastor here and cover your prayers for humility and wisdom and, and strength, but what I'm really grateful for, the reason I thought it was appropriate, entirely appropriate to bring this up, is that I am so grateful for the spirit of unity that the Lord has given our church in this season. I said the very Sunday after the vote that I don't have that kind of approval rating in my own home, right? Um, and it's true. Um, that unity is a sign of the Lord's spirit and not a sign of us. And so we connect the dots to him and give him glory. Those 10 things... That's a lot in 90 days. There's a lot happening in the last day. It's kind of tiring just to think about it. And it's not just busyness. It's not just activity. It is real ministry that is taking place in the lives of our people. Real lives being impacted by gospel work. So if you imagine our church as this sheet of paper, and there are lots of dots on it, as you start to connect these dots, what emerges isn't a bird, isn't a lion, isn't a dinosaur. What emerges is definitely not the staff or the elders or the deacons or the board of women. What happens when you connect the dots of our church is you see God. You see God at work in this place, in this time, to draw many people to himself and equip them to follow him with lives of purpose and lives of joy. We see God. Closing up, three quick things that should happen when we do. Three quick things that happen when we see God. Number one, we have a culture of gratitude. A culture of gratitude. Our hearts are glad and grateful when we stop and see all that he is doing in his strength by his power. Our hearts are glad even during the hard times. If I had more time, I would love to unpack with you how the verses that we read sit in the context of verses 2 through 15, which are all about suffering. All about suffering. Verse 2, you can count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You meet trials of various kinds. These people are suffering, and many of us are uh, enduring through suffering and hard times as well. But even in these, we see the grace of God at work and have this culture of gratitude. We, are, we, we should be the happiest people in the world. Understanding that happy 
here isn't meant to be superficial. A deep, robust joy that comes in the gratitude uh, that we have for all that God has done for us. So the first thing, culture of gratitude. Secondly, a culture of humility. A culture of humility. Connecting the dots uh, ensures that we do not make the terrifying mistake of taking the credit for what God is doing in our midst. We need to not take any credit for what the Lord is doing in our midst. He is jealous for his own glory, and rightly so, and we want to give him all the praise and all the credit and all the glory for the work that he is doing amongst us. And so it creates this humility within us. Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. James 4, verses 13 and following. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and make a prophet. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while like a vapor. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7. What then is Paul? What is Apollos? Servants through whom you believe that the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. We are a humble people because we want to recognize in our gratitude that all this has come from him. Culture of gratitude, culture of humility. Thirdly and finally, a culture of hope. A culture of hope. A culture of excitement and anticipation as to what the Lord might do next. Why? Because if the credit is God's and the glory belongs to him and all that is happening is happening through his strength, then we don't need to sort of be worried about keeping it up. Um, We don't need to worry that we'll run out of energy or ideas to keep all this ministry happening. Why? Because it's through his strength that it's all happening. And so we have this sense of hope or expectation that he will continue to bless his people. Verse 17 of James chapter 1, the end of it reads, that all these gifts have come down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I love this idea that the sun and the moon and the other luminaries are all subject to change, to phases and eclipses and shadows. But God, the one who created light, is not subject to such changes. He is utterly dependable, utterly reliable, utterly trustworthy. And so we know that as he has blessed his church in the past, he will continue to bless it in the future. That having died and given his life for it, so also along with his son, he will surely give us all things. And so we smile and think, I wonder what God's up to here. I wonder what God's going to do next. This sort of sense of enthusiasm and optimism that awaits his work in our midst. Culture of gratitude, humility, and hope. Our Father loves us. He loves us. And he loves you. And as we move on from this Easter, the lilies may fade, but gratitude and humility and hope do not because we connect the dots from our experience to his hand. And as a people, we enjoy his grace. We enjoy his grace with glad and grateful hearts. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, last week we said he is risen. He is risen indeed. 
This week we say, he is still risen. He is still risen indeed. And so we trust you, Lord, with our lives and with the work of this church. We connect the dots to recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift, every blessing and every appropriate fitting kindness that is ours has come directly from your hand. And so, Lord, would you create this culture within us where we are grateful, where we are humble, where we are hopeful, because we know that in your Son we have all things. We pray this, Lord, to your own honor and to your own glory, thanking you for all that is ours. In your Son's perfect and matchless name, amen. Stand together and sing.